0: Happy New Year, race fans, and welcome to episode seven of PST Weekly, the official podcast of the Patriot Sprint Tour. My name is Paul I'm the voice of the Patriot Sprint Tour. This is episode seven, and we have a very special guest with us uh, tonight, uh, Brian Zick. We'll uh, talk about Brian's interview in uh, just a couple of minutes, but just wanted to kind of provide a couple of housekeeping notes. Uh, as you can kind of see, a couple of track announcements with their schedules are starting to make their way across the, the internet. Um, we do have a couple more dates that we can confirm on the PST schedule. Uh, Happy to be back at uh, Sealand's Grove Speedway on Saturday, May the 8th, and then we'll also be there on uh, June 12th for the Joel Memorial. Um, so really looking forward to to be returning back to uh, Mike Hefner's and Steve Inch's uh, fast half mile there in central Pennsylvania. Uh, other Pennsylvania place that we'll be returning to after a, a very successful uh, event there last year is Penn Can Speedway. Uh, some other tracks, though, that will also are, are included on the schedule are Of course, uh, Outlaw Speedway as well as Land of Legends. So still working on the uh, pager sprint tour schedule. That should be uh, coming out there in the next couple of weeks. So I just kind of wanted to make you guys uh, kind of aware of that. Um, Hopefully, uh, just in a couple short months, though, we uh, we get back to sprint car racing. And hopefully, we can do that here safely in the uh, state of New York and with absolutely uh, no issues. And hopefully, these racetracks can open back up at at least some capacity, though, so we can uh, put on great – great shows also for the fans as well and so uh moving right along though we'll kind of move into t- this week's interview and that is a uh, 2019 uh Patriot Sprint Tour Mechanic of the Year Brian Zick a uh, really good interview with Brian though, you know we were able to get k- set down we kind of go through his entire time with uh racing with Davey Franek and he's gonna be changing things up though in uh, 2021 so we'll kind of dive into that and then um just a really good recap of what it was like though, working for, you know, a top tier race team and kind of what it was like though, to also race full time. You know, we talk about a lot of these uh, 360 sprint car drivers though, and they kind of have their full-time jobs throughout the week. And then they kind of do this for fun where Brian was a little different just because he had to do this, you know, kind of for a living. So when COVID hit, you know, things were kind of got a little bit uh, interesting, you know, taking nine weeks off in the middle of the race season though, kind of was detrimental to, you know, his race team. And so we kind of discussed that and Also kind of go through him coming and joining us here in uh, upstate New York, though, for the last couple of seasons, him and Davey, and then, and so, uh, really good interview, so without further ado, though, we'll uh, move into this week's interview, uh, that is Brian Zick. All right, we now welcome on a a very special guest, uh, 2019 PST Mechanic of the Year award winner, uh, longtime crew chief member with uh, Davey Franek Racing, uh, Brian Zick. Uh, Brian, uh, first of all, uh, thanks for joining us this evening.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Brian, uh, kind of an interesting 2020 season. Um, It's kind of, it was a little unprecedented. Uh, Obviously, you guys got your racing program started in kind of early February. And then once we got up to New York, though, kind of everything kind of came to a, a screeching halt. And so how, can you take anything, though, from this season, though, you know, that, was there anything though that you, I guess, your race team kind of learned when you were still working with Davey?
1: Yeah, you know, it was definitely an interesting year to say the least. You know, nobody would have ever thought something like this would have happened in sideline racing that big. But, you know, I was grateful enough with Davey. We went down to Florida and I think we got nine or 10 races in before we came home. And actually, when we came home is when that whole COVID deal hit. And you, you kind of learn a lot as a race team that, you know, races, I want to say part time for a living, like Davey and I were doing a, a disaster like this in the country but racing it it hurts everybody we were trying to find races to go to and we'd find a race and then we'd get canceled and then people would make up races put them on the schedule get canceled again um it was just a tough year it really hits you when you're when you're sitting down at the table a day and you're trying to figure out where you can go racing to make up make some money real quick when, when stuff's not really going on in the country
0: yeah that that it is a kind of an interesting point though that you mentioned brian thats that you know you guys were one of the few drivers that you kind of do you know kind of make your income solely on racing and so how you guys kind of approach a racetrack or even this season though i'm sure though that that was you know really detrimental though to not just yourself but you know your entire race team
1: yeah you know it's it's hard it's almost like you're getting robbed of uh your paycheck every week when you can't go racing you know Davey loves racing. I love racing. We, we were just trying to find races anywhere in the country to go to. Um, I didn't think we raced for about nine weeks at one point when it was early, uh, early March and April. I don't think we raced at all. And I think our first race back was uh land of legends. I believe it was in May. I'm not too sure, but you know, I think a lot of race teams and, and crew guys hurt from this COVID-19 deal greatly just because of the whole money situation, you know, some of the low dollar teams that you know were trying to race once a week couldn't race at all because now they're losing all their money because they may have lost a job or they had to put money away because there was more important things in their life going on once this covid deal hit
0: yeah and so was the plan though to still just try to race as many 360 races as possible i mean was more traveling kind of in the cards i mean you guys obviously the plan was to still go down south and then come back up here and race though but um what exactly was the plan you know heading into this season
1: you know we we didn't really have a plan i would say our our plan was originally obviously go to florida then head west and hit the louisiana mississippi races and and kind of see where we were as a team when we came back home in uh march or april but unfortunately we had a bad crash and uh had these speedway in mississippi and we came home and trying to regroup our team and see when it was the best choice. And before you know it, the COVID nineteen deal hit and after that there there was no plan. It was raced as many times as we can wherever we can. Um and still then I was tough. I think after the whole deal came down, we only raced fourteen or fifteen more times this year. So between Florida and uh the races back home, we I wanna say we raced maybe 25, 30 times, which is which is nothing to what we're used to racing with A V.
0: Yeah, and before we kind of get more into this, you know, interview with you, Brian, I kind of want to give the fans the opportunity of kind of your backstory of, you know, how you got started in racing, and so kind of take us through, though, from the very beginning to, you know, who you are today.
1: Yeah, actually, my dad ran Modifieds back in the 80s and early 90s, and actually raced against Davy's dad uh, up at Orange County, which everyone uh, knows there in the Northeast, and my dad raced, gave that up, uh, decided to have a family, and then I was always introduced into racing at an early age, and I wanted to race. So we got a quarter of midgets when I was uh, five years old, and I, I ran them till I was 13. And I want to say I had great success with them. I'm a, I won a USAC .25 midget championship. Uh, I won some of the biggest races in the entire country with uh, my little team, me and my dad had. And then I quit them when I was 13, and was going to go crate modified racing, and then my dad and Davey's dad got back in touch. And next thing you know, I was 14 going to the races with Davey. I think I was maybe even 13. And once that happened, it was, it never stopped. Uh, every, every week I'd go up to the shop and my dad, he dragged me up and then came to the point where I graduated high school. I was 18. It was time to find a job. And uh, Davey actually approached me if I wanted to work for him. And like I guess he said, kind of the, the rest is history there. Uh, after that, it was just, me and Dave, you on the road since I was 18 till you know end of this year, which was a lot of fun.
0: Sure, and and you guys did do a lot of traveling, and you know you guys kind of started out, you know, racing that URC schedule, and where you were able to win a couple championships, and then you also raced at Sealands Grove. Though, kind of take us through those the that kind of stretch though, where you guys were kind of the race team to beat, though, you know, in that Mid Atlantic region, you know, south of New York, um, like you said, the Sealing's Grove Speedway, and then you know all those URC tracks.
1: Yeah, you know, we won the URC championship in 2014 and then we won the championship again in 2016. And then I think we sat down and had a talk and Davey grew up at Sealance Grove and he never had a championship there. So our our goals in 2017 were to win a Sealance Grove track championship. Luckily for us, our first year attempting it, we won it. And then the following year, 2018, we kind of just ran Sealands Grove weekly again. And that was a weird year because Davey also got sick during that middle part of the year. Um, so we didn't race as much. We were racing just Seelands Grove weekly. I, and uh, luckily, at the end of the year, we still came out the championship that year also, which was awesome. Um, then I think it was we sat down in 2018 and we talked to each other. And we, we thought it would be time to move on out of the Pennsylvania area and travel up to New York and try some different tracks and try everything. And that's when we decided to uh, pursue the points with you guys in 2019 and uh, actually had a great year. Um, everything was going our way that year. We got our first win down south in Florida in February, and came home. We had a momentum going strong, and I, I think we had a great year with the Patriots that year, 2019. And luckily, we, uh, pulled that championship off as well.
0: Yeah, it, you know, kind of just going back to you know racing down south, where you know you see some teams do that um, up here, and they you know they go down to you know East Bay, and but you guys kind of did that whole you know winter series. How important do you think that was, though, for you and Davy, though, to get basically ten to twelve races ahead of almost every other race team up here in North?
1: I think it was huge. Um, you know, the first I want to say four or five races of the year, kind of the most stressful because you don't really know that determines your whole season. You don't know if you're gonna have a good or bad season. Um, and then you have that long off season, and it's hard when you're trying to run for a championship and. You start off the first race of the year, and something breaks on a new car, or just something happens with a new car. So it was kind of nice to just go down south and almost work out the bugs, but also get that that seat time, that track time, and, and get that and kind of improve on that one-on-one relationship between you and the driver. So when you do come home and start the year, you're already you're already on a good streak of uh, of learning everything together.
0: Yeah, and you know, one other thing though, that I kind of wanted to go over with to you tonight, Brian, is. You know your kind of your duties as you know being the the top mechanic for Davies Race Team, and I was kind of wondering though if you can kind of give us some little insight though what exactly are you looking at on the racetrack? You know we we travel to you know here in New York, uh, you travel to a lot of different racetracks. Some racetracks are primarily on modified, Some might be late models. Um, what exactly are you looking at? whether it's the race car or the racetrack throughout the entire night from hot laps to a heat race, to even possibly a dash to then even the a main, what exactly are you looking for? And how do you kind of communicate that with Davey throughout the night?
1: Uh, the biggest thing I think we looked for upstate New York was track conditions. Um York tracks change a lot throughout the night. Um, you're, if you don't pay attention to the track throughout the night, you're not going to, you're not going to run well, you know, you can kind of go to other tracks in the, in the country and you don't really got to go up to the track cause you know what it's going to do. But let's say a track upstate, it changes, you know, three seconds, four seconds from hot laps to the feature. It even changes from heat to heat. And, uh, it was always good to rely on our notes for racing in New York. You know, luckily me and Dave, we took really good notes. And if you don't have notes, it's, it's tough. So we had to always, every week we'll go back to our notes to see what the track was, what we could do because the tracks change so much. And another thing you really got to look at upstate is the way the car is, you know, you you don't have a lot of wing speed, a lot of these New York tracks from feature time. So you, you got to rely more on us. How to get the driver comfortable on those slick tracks? You know, you'd say you take a track like kind of Williams Grove, Sealance Grove, you're, you're on a hammer a lot more. So, you know, to set up, you could be off a little bit and the driver can make up for it. But back in these New York tracks, uh, the car was off a little bit. You're going to be bad. So you always had to pay attention to the track conditions and how the car looked throughout the night to make sure when a feature comes and the tracks, you know, the typical New York glass ice to it, and you're going to be good.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, and kind of just switching gears. What exactly are you looking for, though, maybe on the Pennsylvania side? I mean, obviously, a lot of those tracks are, you know, they're just wicked fast. And, you know, Davey talks about this so much in his interviews where it's kind of just pedal to the metal. How do you prepare for, you know, those bigger Ceilings Grove, Port Royals, you know, Williams Grove racetracks?
1: You know, you kind of hope and go into the night. You kind of get lucky, you know, starting a front row of heat, make the dash, make the redraw, and kind of, you know, start off front in the feature just to make your night a lot easier. Um, it's hard to pass on these P- the big PA tracks. You know, I think now Port Royal is doing a great job. I think a lot of these tracks are doing a great job of kind of changing track around to make it beneficial for the drivers. Um, it's a whole different ballgame game, Pennsylvania compared to New York. You can you can come from the back in New York and win, and it's it's tough to do that back home in Pennsylvania. you you almost got to start, and I want to say, first two or three rows to even have a chance at winning. So like, going into a racetrack in New York, is a lot different in PA. You you roll into PA and through the gates, and you're you're in your head. You're like, all right, we need to start front row tonight to win. And it's it's kind of bad having a mindset like that. So it's a lot tougher. But I think the Pennsylvania track is also a lot tougher as a driver. You know, uh, their job's a lot harder. You know, you can be starting fourth in a heat race and only finish fourth just because it attracts so fast and wide open. But well, you can go upstate New York and you can start eighth in your heat race and you know almost win it or probably when it's
0: just because of track conditions. Sure. It, we talk about a lot of drivers, though. They simply seem to fall in love with certain track conditions. You know, some drivers love the slick. Some guys like, you know, getting up on the wheels. Is there a track condition, though, a, a crew chief kind of likes, though? And I, I guess it's kind of an interesting question to kind of ask a crew chief, but is there something that you're hoping to see, though, throughout the night that, okay, we can do this?
1: Yeah, you know, I kind of like a track like Utica Rome. Or just complete glass, you know. We seem to, uh, me and Dave seem to have found something that really worked on those tracks, and I, I think it proved over the last two or three years where us as a team, we uh, we won a lot of races when the track was slick. And uh, you kind of find something that works and you slick and run with it. You know, back home when the tracks are, are wide open in Pennsylvania, you know, you, you can almost have a couple different setups in and win, but you got to, then you go up Utica-Rome, tracks like that where it's glass you almost got to rely to that same stuff every time just because you know it works
0: yeah and you know kind of talk about your relationship with you know davey like obviously you're both of your dads they'll kind of you know race modifies together and then but um i guess though you know i kind of ask a lot of pit crew guys and drivers though um do you guys ever get is there any like interesting stories though that as far as where maybe some nights you guys might not just, might not agree on something, though, but you guys were still able to, I guess, get the job done?
1: Yeah, you know, actually, me and David, we had a great uh, relationship. I always looked at him as my older brother. He raised me. Pretty much, I was 13, he kind of took me over from my dad, and we went. he took me racing every weekend. But I want to say, we never really coreless, got into it, I want to say. We always kind of were on the same page, which was nice. We always had a good relationship. We always had a good time together. Um, we always agreed on something come future time. And, you know, I want to say most of the time it was good. You know, or, you know, sometimes if it didn't work out, no one was to blame. You know, it's a team. Everybody has their own input on it. But there was never at the end of the night, you know, one person to blame for something. It was always we took it as a team, moved on to the next night and scratched that night behind you. But, you know, working with Davy for the last eight years was great. Um, had a blast. I wish I could do it eight years over again because we, I had so much fun and it was really hard. uh, It's really hard to find someone you get along with that well, because you have a lot of fun and you're going to miss it a lot when you don't do it anymore with them.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I guess that kind of leads me into, you know, kind of our next segment though, is that you are kind of taking on a, a new racing endeavor. Um, you know, kind of just give us a kind of a little bit of insight though. What is in store for Brian Zick in
1: 2021? Yeah. You know, um, going to work for a team called Hummer Motorsports here. They got uh, Alex Bright and Brendan Bright driving for them full time. It's a team of 600 micro sprints and you know this year we, Alex moved into the uh, USAC East Coast wingless 360 stuff and then he dabbled in the wingless, I mean not the wingless, the wing 360 stuff a little bit and uh, I didn't really think anything was going to happen after David. I was kind of almost done racing and then uh, I was talking to Mr. Hummer, the uh, car owner and he offered me a, a, kind of like a ride in the micro a little bit here and there next year, and I talked to him a little bit, talked to my dad about it, and, you know, next thing you know, I was kind of saying, well, can we just do this a full-time deal? It'll be a lot easier for me, and I've always wanted to try to wingless stuff a little bit, and before I was done with racing, I, I want to say I did a little bit of everything, so now I get to say that I'm going to be doing, the, you know, being on a team that's a wingless 360 team. and kind of taking over the reins of that deal is going to be a little bit different. It's, uh, it's hard to move team to team and kind of keep your same ways, but I think we're going to have a good 2021 with Alex and, uh, USAC East coast thing. That's going to be our main focus. Uh, hope to do some USAC national tour 410 stuff. And, uh, maybe run some URC shows here and there, uh, see if the schedule fits, may come run with you guys a little bit. That'd be cool. And, uh, See if we make a little one of Outlaw's debut for Alex at Bridgeport coming up.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, and you know, that kind of, you know, we'll kind of backtrack a little bit though, but you and Davey were able to race the 410 a little bit, um, you know, when, you know, they were kind of there locally, but then, you know, kind of talk about though, you guys are doing so well on the 360 side of things, but. Then when 410s come to town, whether it is the All-Stars or World of Outlaws, you know, it's it's a whole different ballgame, though, for sure, no matter what track they go to, whether it's New York or Pennsylvania and, you know, anywhere here in the Northeast.
1: Yeah, the, the uh, 410 deal is definitely tough. It's not like a 360s at all. Um, You can be as good as you want being a 360 and hopping into 410 and your, uh, your perspective on it changes. Um, you know, we struggled with it a little bit, but then the, – I say about two or three years ago we we bought a new motor and it was a motor that made Davey comfortable as a driver and i think uh to be good the driver has to be comfortable and then, and then once he said he was comfortable with the motor and the car you know we started running good we had a uh, podiums with the all-stars uh we almost picked off our first win with the all-star at and valley to one night um, we even ran good with it down south in florida at east bay you know we ran into some motor problems last year but i want to say if that didn't happen we were a top 10 car each night and for us as a team that didn't run many 410 shows, I felt like that was an accomplishment in itself, is just being able to run out front with someone with a series like the All Stars and the drivers and the All Stars. Even the Outlaws came to town, we each and stuff a couple of years ago. We were very competitive with them. And that's, it's good. I think it's good as a driver also to be diverse in a 360
0: and a 410. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Brian, you know, it's kind of interesting, though, because where you come from, you know, being. You know, kind of a Pennsylvania-born sprint car, sprint car team member and crew guy. You know, you see a lot of, see a lot of the crew chiefs that are out on with the World of Outlaws and All Star Tour. You know, doing this full time. Um, did that ever cross your mind though that maybe you could do this full time for a living with a, you know, a major traveling national team?
1: Yeah, you know, it's always been a, a goal of mine. I think it's a goal of every. Sprint car crew guy, you know wherever you are in the country, but there was part of me that didn't really want to leave home either. I um I enjoy where we race. I enjoy the people that I know at the racetracks that we go to. I enjoy seeing everybody that's involved with the series. So it, for me, it was almost the thing of just staying home just so I don't miss out on everything going on here with the with the tracks and the series. Um, it'd be definitely be cool to travel the country, but I think uh, you almost gotta dedicate your whole life to traveling and you know i still like to be home on the weekends some weekends i do stuff during weekdays and night with my dad so it was kind of me just staying home and and doing stuff around here instead of going out on the road i i think i have as much fun you know like working with Davey in the past and you know working with hummer now i think i have uh, just as much fun as i would as going on the road and it, uh if i was gonna do it, i was gonna do it when i was young but now i feel uh now that I'm older and I kind of have more responsibilities, I, uh, I don't think going on the road would, you know, benefit me in any way, but it'd still be fun.
0: Yeah. And looking back on your career, Brian, you know, working with Davies and um, we talked earlier before we kind of hit the record button, was kind of that first win when you were with Davey, and that was at Ceilings Grove back in 2014. Is there anything that kind of sticks out? I mean, Davy was obviously winning races before you came on, but was there anything special about that particular win just because you were involved?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's probably my most memorable win. That's where it kind of all started. You know, the I guess you can say the addiction started in sprint car racing. Um, anytime you get to stand in victory lane, you, you get this feeling that's pretty good. And, you know, I was a young kid. I think I was probably 13 or 14 when we won that race. And it was like the coolest thing in the world to me. And then, you know, as I got older, we won more races. It was cool to be a part of a team that was so successful and so good. You know, Davey and his dad built an amazing team, and they still have an amazing team. So to be part of it was was huge, and for that first win, that's something that's always going to uh, stick out to me the most with that deal.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, one other race, though, that I remember was Davy's first Patriot Sprint Tour win, which also happened to be at Sealy's Grove Speedway back in 2016. And that was a night, though, that also um, Davy actually broke the track record for a 30-lap race, which that record, to my understanding, still holds today. Um, you know, winning that first you know not like i guess outside of the ordinary win so it was a patriot sprint tour win you know and then obviously you guys won a couple of ess wins as well but what are you taking though from winning those you know pst and ess wins though just because you were racing against you know much different competition and you were kind of an outside guy yeah you know when you're the outside guy
1: in a series you know people kind of look at you different and it was uh I guess people kind of looked at us different when we were, because we were a Sealance Grove regular at that time. You know, we were we were on our A game at Sealance Grove. We were running good every week. And uh, to be the outsider to come and win, you know, it was, it was kind of cool. And to win in a series that's, you know, Seals Grove is regular, 360s at that time of, uh, time of age, sort of have a traveling series come in and, and win with them, it kind of shows who you are as a team, you know. It goes to show you're good at Seals Grove, but then you got the traveling guys that came in that are good and, and to win against any series is good. You know, um, every series has their top top drivers. And you got to be in your A game every night when a series comes in, especially to your home track. And you, you want to defend your home track and your home turf, and you don't want the outsiders beating you of so stand out and, and win a race. And I think that was a Joe Wickham memorial. And to win a race like that was definitely special.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, Brian, you know, also you won – the 2019 mechanic of the year with the Patriot sprint tour of the year that Davy won his championship though. Uh, what does that mean to you though, to not only though that Davy was winning a championship, but you were also honestly regarded as the top mechanic for a series, you know, in a, you know, a series like the Patriot sprint tour.
1: You know, it, it means a lot. Um, it shows me that people do, uh, do appreciate your hard work and, and see how hard you work as a, as an individual, you know, it was tough. I was the only full-time guy at Davies, and Most of the time on the road, it was just me, Davy and his dad. And, you know, we were lucky enough to have uh, Brad Drees come with us most of the time. But, you know, he had a full-time job at back home, and it was tough for him to come out. So during the week, it was only me and the shop with Davy And I want to say most of the time on the road was me and him. So it was always tough. And to have someone appreciate all your hard work and have a, a series and all you guys involved with Patriots of, of uh, show me how hard I worked with that award. It really meant a lot. Um, you know, I never thought I would ever get awards like that, you know, just working on a card. It was just a job to me, but a job that people saw differently in their eyes, I guess, is to show how uh, appreciative I was for everything they've done. And to get an award that shows, uh, you know, how hard he worked at here year means a lot. Cause there are a lot of guys out there on the Patriot tour or any tour or any track that, that work hard. And, to be able to stand out above them, uh, it really shows a lot.
0: Yeah. And I kind of will end it with this, Brian, though, uh, you know, this is going to be your first year without, you know, in the last eight years, not being on the road with the Frannix though. What are you going to take most though, from, you know, those eight years that you kind of spent with the Frannix? Is there something though that kind of sticks out that, you know, that you're kind of going to remember and cherish forever?
1: Oh, there's a lot, you know, we had, me and David, we had a lot of memories on the road. Uh, we we had a blast, um, the eight years it, it kind of seems like it went by too fast at times you know we we celebrated a lot of wins i think we had i think 38 39 wins together in, in eight years and, and five championships and you know you look back it's, it's like that's a lot you know a lot of people are still struggling to get their first win or their first championship and to be able to get almost 40 wins and five championships and you know a short eight years is, is something i'm always going to look back at but uh One thing that's always going to stand out to me is uh, the first trip to Florida. We had our our main sponsor, Bobby, from Rapid Tire. He came down with us. and I think that was the most fun I ever had was that first trip. We had a blast. We actually picked off our first win, I think our second time, or our second race down there. And we just, we had a lot of fun, you know. That kind of showed me how fun it is to be on a team that travels. You know, it's, it's cool to be on a team, but to be able to team on a travel and to be able to do that with somebody you enjoyed being around so much was a lot of fun. Like I said, I looked up to Davey as a brother. I still do. I still have contact with him here and there. And, you know, I'm going to see him at the racetrack. We're going to talk to him. I'm going to call him, text him, everything. You know, nothing's changed between me and him. But uh, I hope to have a good 2021 season. You know, um, I'm always I'm going to miss being with Davey a lot. Uh, there'll be times through the year where it's going to hit me that I'm not with him anymore, and it's going to be tough. But uh, You know, I wish Davey and his new guy Ryan and his dad nothing but the best for next year. You know, they're going to have a great year, I'm sure, whatever they plan on doing. And I uh, just hope to have another good year myself doing this.
0: Yeah, well, uh, Brian, I really appreciate the time, though, that, you know, you've kind of sat down the talk. Um, You know, best of luck, though, on this new endeavor, though, with Hummer Motorsports. But um, most importantly, though, hopefully we can see you at a racetrack somewhere and hopefully we can all get back to racing, you know, at a normal and safe capacity and, hopefully in the uh, spring of 2021.
1: Yeah. You know, I hope, uh, I hope we do come up and race with you guys a little bit. We'll see how the schedule goes. Our, our focus this year is that the USAC East coast and after that, we'll maybe, you know, some big money, 600 micro shows, but uh, I definitely won't rule it out about us visiting upstate New York. It'll definitely be, uh, be something on the list I want to do. And yeah, I definitely do hope we uh, get back to racing normally here. I think everybody misses it.
0: All right. Well, uh, thanks Brian though. Uh, Best of luck with everything, and um, like I said, hopefully we can see you soon.
1: Yep, thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me.
0: Once again, big thanks to uh, Brian Zick for uh, taking this time, though, and best of luck to him, though, with Hummer Motorsports. Uh, He surely missed on the tour. Uh, He's been kind of a blast to talk to at the pit area, though, with uh, him and Davey, though, wherever they were going. uh, We were very fortunate to have uh, Davey Franick join us on tour and win that championship back in uh, 2019, and, you know, we'll – well, uh, certainly always be excited to have Davey with us on tour, but, um, you know, we're certainly going to miss Brian with him as well. Um, it was kind of a two man show a lot of the times like he mentioned. And so before we end tonight's show, uh, I just wanted to send my thoughts and condolences first to the family of, uh, Mike Jackson. If anybody remember Mike, Mike was the, uh, promoter at then BlackRock Speedway that is now called Outlaw Speedway back in 2015. Um, we were very fortunate to race there at BlackRock Speedway that year and, uh, it was a very good one. And, you know, we always commend Mike, though, for his hard work that year at the racetrack. And uh, he's certainly we missed. Um, you know, kind of looking back, though, from a personal standpoint, of where I remember Mike, you know, I grew up racing, or grew up uh, going to the races at Woodhall Raceway. And, uh, you know, Mike was one of those uh, guys to beat. You know, I remember Kenny Shupp and Morton Colgrove always calling him Mike Action Jackson and it's because he certainly had a lot of action. And so, um, And then when I got into announcing back in uh, 2013, um, or later in that fall, uh, Mike Jackson actually picked up a win in a crate sportsman. And uh, what I remember most about Mike Jackson, if anybody knows me and my physique, though, I'm uh, 6'5. Mike was one of the very few drivers that kind of saw me eye to eye. And uh, typically, I'm looking down at a lot of race car drivers, to be honest with you. And, you know, that's something that I kind of first, my first memory of Mike Jackson, and then. You know, I was fortunate enough to co-announce though, there over at uh, BlackRock Speedway when he was the promoter. Uh, he approached me, and, you know, I was able to work with uh, Steve Ovens a couple nights as well as uh, Mel Thomas, you know, who was the announcer at that time. And, you know, so it was very unfortunate, though, that we were uh, lost Mike Jackson uh, la- the last week of December. And, you know, he-, he had a lot of support going on with him. And the ironic thing about Mike Jackson is, though, so after he kind of, left the promoter chair at Blackrock, he actually became a 305 sprint car driver and um he raced a couple times up there at land legends and he was such a natural um usually you see a couple of modified drivers you know move into the sprint car driving and they it takes them a while to you know adapt to the sprint car you know techniques and you know mechanics and mike was truly a natural uh i know he always mentioned that he always wanted to drive a sprint car and so he was able to team up with daryl ruggles and they were able to put together you know kind of a sprint car operation and uh he was up here in new york for a couple of years and then he actually moved down south and raced with the carolina sprint car carolina sprint tour and he was highly regarded down there as well and so uh, he actually did race up until you know earlier this year and then um unfortunately it was basically hospitalized the entire month of December and then you know he unfortunately lost his life and so uh, my thoughts and condolences going out to uh, Mike his brother Stacy who I've gotten to know over the last couple of years racing modifieds uh, at Woodhull and uh, Black Rock and Outlaw and you know as well as as well as Mike's wife Holly Joe, and you know the rest of his entire extended family uh, you know the Jacksons are a very staple name in the southern tier racing and you know, he's uh, certainly going to be missed. Um, one other person that we also unfortunately lost on uh, in the first uh, week of January was uh, Michelle Evans. And that was the mother of uh, um, Parker Evans. And Parker's been, you know, a uh, kind of a veteran sprint car driver with a Patriot sprint tour as well as the Empire Super Sprints and, you know, other uh, 360 sprint car races, you know, the last uh, couple of the seasons. And, um we didn't see parker the last couple of years and it was simply because of him uh, kind of spending more time with family and you know more importantly spending time with his mother As uh, you know she was had a long battle with cancer and unfortunately we lost um we lost michelle as well and so i just would like to also send my uh, thoughts and condolences out to the entire evans family and uh may they both rest in peace and you know Thanks for once again tuning in for uh, this week's episode of PST Weekly. Um, once again, this is available on Spotify and Apple Podcast. For more information about the Patriot Sprint Tour, of course, you can log on to PatriotSprintTour.com. You can like us on Facebook at as well as follow us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Patriot Sprints. Once again, my name is Paul Harkader. Have a great week.